Good morning. Let's stand together. Welcome to Gap Hill Church. Have you come to bless the Lord? Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you. We welcome you, Lord, to have your way. Let's sing to the Lord. And Holy Spirit, rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit, rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit, rain. Holy Spirit, rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit, rain. That's your prayer today, church. Holy Spirit, rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit, rain, Holy Spirit, rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit, rain, rain down on us. Like a raging fire, burning my soul. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost. Like a raging fire. Oh God, today we pray. We lift you and magnify you. Give him praise. It's good to bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to bless him. Hallelujah. We lift you. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you in this place. Oh, it's so good to feel his presence together, isn't it, church? We lift you and magnify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. Oh, we cast off all the things that are hindering us now from praising you. From lifting you, we magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing this to him. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. 
let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. Oh, we sing with all we are when we claim your victory. Let it rise. Oh, let praise arise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. song that calms the storm inside of me. Let it rise. Let faith arise. Let it rise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever all creation cry God we praise you oh we praise you oh we praise you oh we praise you oh we praise him together church hallelujah hallelujah with all that's been going on in our society recently with the riots and things that are causing riots, there's two things we can do, church. Well, only two options that we have. We got to pray and we got to praise. I hope we've been praying this week. And now we come together as a family and we praise together. We lift him up. We show the world that God can take care of the mess that's going on. Amen. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high with all creation cry God we praise you This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. 
we praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, let's praise him together now, church. Give him glory. Give him honor. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. For you alone are worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. So good to see everybody. God's good, isn't he? At this time, we're going to allow, aren't, I'm proud, I won't, I won't do the speaking because I'm going to let Dylan do that, but we're proud of Javen. He made it. Now, for many of you that were teenagers once, you understand what that means. Made it through the worst days of your life. Chemistry. Geometry. I think they even came up with something called trigonometry. Albert Einstein or one of those guys. God rest their soul. But he made it today. So we celebrate him today. Dylan, I'm going to let you come on up. Let's give them a hand clap as they come. Like uh, Jimmy said, we are going to honor Javen. Um, he is our only graduate this year. But So Javen Lewis Barnhart, if you want to come on up with me right now. Um, he graduated from Pickens High School, and he is the recipient of the Life Scholarship. And he plans on continuing uh, his education at Tri-County Technical and pursue uh, engineering. And we have him a little um, God's promises for graduates. And so we, we get this for most of our graduates so that they have something to look at to be able to, to do devotions and stuff like that. And we also got him a, a gift card for Hardee's because college kids are broke and they got to eat. So <laughs> if you want to go sit back down now. And uh, be before I call him back up, we're going to pray for him before we're done with all this. But I, I have a few words that I want to talk to you real quick. So Psalm 78, 70 through 72 it says, he chose David, his servant, from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to, the shepherd of, to shepherd his people of Jacob, or his people Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. Remember where you came from. Remembering was an important thing for the people of Israel. Passover was a time to remember where they had been and to remember what God had done and all the miracles he had performed. So looking back at the past can help, you, help prepare you for your future. Remember where you came from physically. Remember your town, where you grew up. Remember your position. God took David from the sheep pens. It's hard to get much lower. It was hard to get much lower than a shepherd. 
David's family didn't even consider him to be material for God's choosing, but look where he ended up. Remember the people. Remember your family who raised you and your friends who were there in the good times and bad. Remember your teachers, mentors that helped guide you. Remember where you came from spiritually. Remember what it looks remember what it was like before you knew Jesus as your savior or think of what your life would be like if you didn't know him. Remember the highs and lows of serving Jesus. Remember the blessings and remember the lows God has delivered you from. Remember the past, but don't live in it. Spiritually, you, can, you can't live off the way God worked yesterday. We were not designed to live off spiritual leftovers or crumbs from other people. Seek God every day. Where you come from physically and spiritually will be a tool in God's hand to prepare you for your future. Build your character. The first statement about David's performance as a king was about his integrity, not his ability, not his military accomplishments, not his victory over Goliath, but his integrity. Integrity is being the same inside and out. There are no double standards or justifications. Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So have character. And character is built intentionally, one block at a time, by consistently making the right choices over and over again until they become part of your nature. Perfect your skills. David led God's people with skillful hands. This skill had to be learned. He knew how to lead sheep. He knew how to protect sheep. Even though we act like sheep sometimes, sheep are not people, so David didn't instantly know how to lead and protect his people. Colossians 3.23 says... Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. No matter what you do in life, do your best. The road, of, the road of ahead of you will be complex. There will be times when you actually wish for the days when things were easier and you had less responsibilities. There will be twists and turns that you can never anticipate. When they come, you will have to decide how to handle them. The good news is that you will never have to handle them alone. When David came from the sheep pens, when he used integrity and skill as a king, it was a result of God's work in his life. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So what I've just shared with you will not make everything go away. It will not keep you from experiencing heartache, uh, disappointment, or hardship. However, it will keep you, or it will help keep you grounded and in tune with the source of all things good in your life, which is God. Remember where you came from. Build your character. Develop your skills. Do all those things under God's directions, under God's direction, and you'll have a better life than you could ever dream possible. And with that, I want to get you to come stand back up here. And uh, David and Ann, and if Pastor Jimmy will come, we're going to pray over Javen for uh, just everything he's got coming up in his life. And uh... All right, guys, if you'll just raise your hand this way, we're going to pray blessings over Javen. Father, we thank you today for this young man, his accomplishments, what you have brought him from, what you have brought him through. But God, we know this is not the end. He plans to go further with his education. He's a smart guy. He's going to do great. He's going to succeed at life. He's going to make great achievements. 
And so, Father, for that we thank you, but we place your anointing on him, your spirit on him, guide him as he moves forward, the next steps that he will take. Don't let it be his own steps, but the steps of a good man can be ordered by the Lord. So we ask you to order his steps. Use him mightily, not only in this world, but use him for a special call in your kingdom. For that will give you the praise and the glory. It's in Jesus' name the church declares amen and blessing. Amen. Let's give another hand. everybody. Amen. This is Dylan was talking about David. We're going to sing a new song that comes from David's words of Psalm 23. Let's stand together. It's a wonderful chorus to sing together. Psalm 23. Lord, we lift you. We just lift this to you, oh God. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd And he goes before me Defender behind me I won't fear I'm filled with Overflowing, no weapon can harm me. Hallelujah, and I won't fail. Sing hallelujah. Always guides me. Listen to this through mountains and valleys. Thank you, Lord. His joy is refreshing. Thank you, Lord. Restores my soul. Mercy.
Spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory, your Spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your Spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory, your Spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your Spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory, your Spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your Spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory, and 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 my victory, my victory. Oh, we sing hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? Let's get right to the word this morning. I have a word for you guys that I'm pretty excited about. It's either going to go good or bad, all right? It's 50-50. Hopefully we're going to be on the good side. I want to preach to us a sermon this morning entitled, Grace, Grace. I ran across a blog this week, and this was actually the title of that blog, and I Started looking into it, thinking about it, tearing it apart, studying it, getting multiple scriptures to come along, and I just, I couldn't get away from it this week. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? There's some of you in this building, if it wasn't for the grace of God, you know you wouldn't be here. You know that. You know in yourself you would have faltered, you would have failed. It is only the grace of God that has kept you standing. And so today we are celebrating the grace of God in our lives. This is very exciting because God has been good to us. The story is told of a man who decided he would go on a voyage. He had been longing to go on this voyage for a very long time. The voyage in which he was taken was called a cruise. And it cost him everything that he had in his bank account. He had saved and he spends every penny so he can go on this cruise. But he packs himself peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because he knows that he is not going to be able to afford to buy anything else on the cruise. Just the cruise. 
It was a week-long cruise, and he planned to eat his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the whole time for the entire week. As he finally embarked upon his long-awaited vacation, he was excited about the upcoming fun, though it included the same meal day in and day out. At first, he was fine with his chosen fare, but after a while, he began to notice all the food available to all the other travelers. People were gorging themselves, eating to the full on beef, ham, turkey, steak, chicken, vegetables, you name it, they had it. He even saw people that were getting room service. He thought to himself, Lord, have mercy. I am here with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and these people are eating all of this. So one day, he saw one of the guys coming by with a big plate just slammed full of food, and he looks at the guy and asks him, he says, he says um, to this guy with the plate, he says, could you tell me how much I could get a, a meal for? To which the guy just stares at him very strangely and awkwardly. The man continued to explain he only had enough money for his ticket, but he didn't bring enough for the meals, but now thought that he would like to try something. With this belief, the guy just shook his head, told the man that the meals were included in the price of the ticket. There are a lot of Christians today that are eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches wondering why they can't enjoy a mega meal. They look around at other Christians who seem to be victorious, seem to be on top of the world. They seem to be eating spiritual steak and potatoes and wonder why in the world they are limited to peanut butter, jelly, and bread. What the man on the cruise didn't understand is what far too many Christians don't understand today. And that is the principle of grace. When Jesus went through the heavens and was seated on the right hand side of the Father, all the meals were included in that ticket. All the help you would ever need was included in that ticket. All the enablement that you would ever need was in that ticket. All the strength you would ever need for life's journey was bought in that ticket. So leave the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches alone and avail yourself to the provisions of God that are already in the ticket. Keep in mind, however, that they are only dispensed at the throne of grace. But they are for everyone that will be willing to come to God at the throne of grace. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Verse 7. And I feel like I say that every week when I preach. But I like the Bible. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. It is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He shall bring it forth with shouts of grace, grace. The Lord has sent his Holy Spirit to you and your family. I want you to understand that. Right now, the help that you need for your family, the strength that you need for your family has been already provided by the Holy Spirit. Don't allow the fear of all the challenges outside of you to be bigger than the God that is living inside of you. Don't allow the circumstances around you to be bigger than the Holy Spirit, my God, that is living inside of you. Listen, grace is all you need for every situation. You remember the old 
old song we used to sing. There is grace for every need. There's grace for you. There's grace for me. I mean, just it's for everybody. What I'm going to preach to us today is about that grace. It is, it is the word that we're going to be dealing with that you'll hear a lot for a few minutes in this sermon this morning. But there's four kinds of grace that I want to talk about. The first grace is saving grace. Does anybody know what saving grace is? Has anybody experienced the saving grace of God? Now, one man said it this way. He said, you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. <laughs> so, you know, we, we have people all the time. I've heard people say, well, you say, well, do you want to accept Jesus? That, no, 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 no. God can't accept me. I'm not good enough to be saved. We know you're not good enough to be saved. We were none good enough to be saved. We are all humans in depravity. We are all humans that have sinned, that have failed, that have let God down. We continue to do so more often than we want to admit this morning in the presence of all these people. But at the end of the day, when I came to God, it was because I knew He was the only one that could make me good. That's why God said it is not by your works. It is by my grace. It is not because of anything you do. It is not because of anything that you have done. That is why a low down murderer can come to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ will accept him. That is why a harlot on a street corner that we look down as a low life at, she can come to Jesus and be saved. That is why the Christian killer like Saul aka Paul could join the very church that he once persecuted. It is how you are sitting on these pews today worshiping God. It is all because of the saving grace of an almighty God. Aren't you thankful for it today? Secondly, there is what I would like to call justifying grace. We have our peace with God because of justification. Now, for many of you, you're sitting here thinking, what in the world does the word justification mean? And if you don't know what justification means, then this justifying grace doesn't make any sense to you. So I'm going to break it down to where we can all understand that even the kids in this building today. You think of justification like this. It is just as if I have never sinned in the sight of God. That is what justification is. When I come to God, God looks at me, and if I'm full of, if I've got a black heart, we used to do it in Sunday school. We used to stand in front of the church after Sunday school years ago, and we used to sing when I was just a little toddler. And I remember we used to tell that, that story or sing that song, or I think one week they gave us little cutouts to do with. But it was talking about, well, you say he took my black heart, he dipped it in his red blood, and then we'd flip it over, and it made me white as the snow. It's just a beautiful little thing, but it's a, it's a simple concept, but that's the way it is. That is what justification is. That is why when people come to you and they say, oh, look at what he used to do. Well, God in his mind, he doesn't see that. When God looks down at me, all that God sees is the blood. You may look down at me, you may see my faults, you may see my failures, but God doesn't look at me that way. When God sees me, He sees a perfect clean vessel that He has washed in His blood. Are you telling me that the blood of Jesus isn't good enough for this man? No, a thousand times no. The blood of Jesus will cover a multitude of sins. A matter of fact, the blood of Jesus will cover all sin. Are you with me? Now, now when we look at the word justification, I'm going to go a little further into this. The word justification means I am made righteous before God or God or I am declared righteous in the sight of God. Listen to me. I am not made righteous before men. 
Because sometimes it doesn't matter how good you are, how good you do, there's going to be people that are always going to look down on you. You're never going to be good enough for them. You're never going to live holy enough for them. There's some people that go to churches and they, they think they got more holiness than you do. Well, I got news for them. The same blood that saved them is the same blood that saved me. They're not better than me. They're not a different class than I am. We are all raised up the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So, so don't you stick your nose up at me, sir. Don't you stick your nose up at me, ma'am. The same Jesus that died on the cross for you died for me. And I've been saved just like you have. I'm justified. I've been declared righteous in God's sight. So what does that mean? Listen, this is why I haven't been made righteous by man. Man didn't save me. I haven't been made righteous by the pastor. I don't go to a priest to be made clean. I go to God. This is why I don't give much weight. I don't give much weight to what people say about me. How many of you know you can't do that? It, 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 <laughs> I, I've seen some really good people in my day. I mean, good Christians. I knew they were Christians. I knew their lifestyle. They were great people. But people talked about those people. I could never understand it for the life of me. I don't know what people get out of talking about other good people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shout now forever. Hold your peace. It's the truth of the matter. I don't know what people get out of just degrading and talking down about other people. See, let me show you. So I don't give much weight to what everybody else says about my relationship with God. Because I know my relationship with God. You know your relationship with God. It doesn't matter what I say about your relationship. It doesn't matter if I don't think you're saved enough or you don't live good enough. God is the one that's looking at you. God is the one that made you righteous. So don't give much weight to what everybody else says about your relationship with God. Do you know why? It is because they didn't justify you. God did that. They didn't die for me. God did. Jesus did that. So if God justified me, then by all means, let God be the one that will judge me. Somebody ought to say amen. Justification is about how God sees us after we come to him through this wonderful justifying grace. Revelations 12.10. I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power, the kingdom of our God, the authority of His Christ. Notice this. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. I want you to notice, who is the accuser of the brethren? Lucifer, Satan, whatever you want to call him. Slewfoot, I don't care what you call him. He's a devil. Job knows a little bit about that scripture in Revelation chapter 12. He's, he's going to be celebrating with us too today as we celebrate the justifying grace of God. Job's first test. Look at Job 1.6. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Do you understand what the accuser means? What the accuser does is come to God and tells God, Jimmy is unworthy of your love. Jimmy failed today. Did you see Jimmy fall? Of course God did. God knows everything. But what Satan doesn't tell us is when we repent 
and ask God to forgive us. Satan don't want to talk about that part. He just wants to look at the thoughts that we made, the wrong word that we said, the wrong thought that we had, the wrong whatever we, we listened to we shouldn't have. He wants us to get that, but this is what God said. Watch this. He said, where have you come from, the Lord asked. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Now, I have showed you guys this before, but it is so good that I believe I'll just show you again. Is that all right? I'm going to show you again. Satan had to ask God's permission to tempt Job. I preached this, and when I preached this, if I'm not mistaken, it was to an empty church. I'm pretty sure I did on Facebook Live. I think it was. I preached on Job or something. Was that right, Brian? He didn't even listen to it. Listen, and I preached preached about Job that day. It was that Sunday morning. I remember I was preaching to an empty crowd. It was kind of awkward. So since I got a crowd today, I'm going to give it to you again. Satan had to ask for God's permission to be able to tempt Job. Look at 1 Peter 5, 8. You're about to shout hallelujah. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, we could call him the accuser, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he... That's a key word right there. i got it highlighted on mine. Whom he may devour. We used to play a little game when I was a kid. And I'm sure after I say this, my daughter's going to go home and say, Daddy, can we play that game you talked about? Yes, sir. You would choose one person that would be called the mother. All right? Anybody know where I'm going here? The other would play the kids, a.k.a. the participants in the game. So when a kid was selected, they would start by asking, Mother, may I do four cartwheels? Now, if he don't ask, Mother, may I, don't get to do it. But what does the mother say? She says the words that they've been longing to hear. Yes, you may. Now, I want somebody to understand that is exactly how it is with the old devil today. He goes around accusing us before God, trying to make us unworthy. When God tells him that you are justified in his sight, then the devil asks, Father, may I? Tempt Jimmy, Father, may I do this or that to him or to her? Somebody ought to help me preach today. The devil cannot attack me until he says, Father, may I. That is what you call grace at its best, ladies and gentlemen. Satan absolutely hates it. There may be some people that hate it, but I don't care because I am walking in a justified state. Praise the Lord for God's justifiable grace. Thirdly, he's got teaching grace. Now, we don't like this one as good. The grace of God appears to all men, teaching them to live right and to, not, to deny worldly lust. His grace is not freedom to sin. His grace is freedom from sin. I'm going to say that again. Just because you've got justifiable grace, just because God's mercy is on your life, Paul said it this way. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How are we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? What Paul is teaching us is that we cannot try to take advantage of God's grace. We don't go out and sin just because we believe God is going to forgive us when we sin. So, so it is teaching grace. Watch this. 
So when I do wrong, what happens? If I'm a child of God, the Holy Spirit within me convicts me of my sin. Anybody know what that feels like? It's like the worst feeling in the world. I mean, you could feel like a giant, and when the Holy Spirit gets hit, you feel about this big. But what this is, grace is still working. <laughs> Somebody said, well, God's judging me. No, 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 no. God's teaching you. My God, I feel like preaching today. Maybe this just blessed me. Maybe I've read this too much this week and I've got overexcited. This grace, this grace, this grace. God, listen, I'm glad. When I do wrong, the Holy Spirit convicts me. God doesn't cast me away and say, Boy, you really messed up this time. You are no longer my child. He says, boy, you really messed up this time, but my grace is here to forgive you and to teach you a lesson to never do it again. That is why when you do wrong, the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual spanking. Can I just say it that way? We country here, right? We're from the South, bless God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit gives me a good old spanking. We don't know much about those nowadays. Our kids look confused when we even use that term. You can look it up in Webster's Dictionary. He wrote it, I think, in the 1800s and something, so it's still in there. Spanking. I'm sure some lawyer's going to try to get it taken out and call it child abuse. I don't know. I'm surprised that hasn't happened. But give a good old spanking. That is what the Holy Spirit does to us. Why, why, why did you even spank your kids? Why did you discipline your kids? You didn't do it because you enjoyed doing it. You did it because you had to teach them a lesson. So when God spanks you, don't think God is beating you like the red-headed stepchild and He's casting you away from His presence. If you're going to spank somebody, you got to be in close proximity to be able to do it. So when God is spanking me, I am right there by His side. He has got me right there in His hand. He is on, listen, and grace is still at work. The teaching grace of God is working even during that time. Somebody ought to give God praise right now. Would you give Him a hand clap of praise? How many of you know the teaching grace of God? All right, let me go to my last point, number four. I love this one. Enabling grace. This is the kind of grace that helps you overcome the difficulties of this world. His grace is sufficient for you. God's enabling grace allows you to do what otherwise would crush you. That is why when we go through things and people look at us and say, how in the world did you make it through it? It's the enabling grace of God. I knew I couldn't do it by myself. You know, I was... I, and, we don't want to have a sad pity party here. But I was 12 years old. Lost my father when I was 12. 20 when I lost my mother. And I remember as a young kid, especially a teenager, and losing my father. I remember people saying, I just don't know how you do it. I just don't know how you do it. The answer is the enabling grace of God. We go through trials and tribulations. Some of you have been through sickness and you've come out on the other side. We may have even have some cancer survivors in the building today. I don't know. But you came through the other side. How did you do it? It was the enabling grace of God. When they wanted to give you one more shot of that chemotherapy. When they wanted to send you through one more time. And blasting your body with radiation. And you said in your spirit, God, there's no way I can do this. But the enabling grace of God came on you and said, hey child, I'm right here. My grace is, my God, I wish somebody knew what I was preaching today. Aren't you glad that God will enable you when your bodily strength loses all power. And you can't do it yourself. That's when he rises up in your life. It would otherwise crush you. This is the kind of grace that is there to help you when you go through the troubles of this world. The Apostle Paul walked around for years with a thorn in the flesh. 
What was the thorn? Does anybody know? Of course you don't. It has been debated by some of the brightest minds, some of the greatest Bible scholars. But none are sure as to what this thorn represents. I have my speculations. They have theirs. Theirs are probably better than mine. I'll just tell you that. So I'll tell you what they said, all right? Many explanations have been put forward. But whether Paul is referring to a physical, spiritual, or an emotional thorn, we don't know. Maybe something else entirely. It's never been answered with satisfaction. He does identify to us that a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him or to harass him on a daily basis. Some of the more popular theories of the thorns interpretation include temptation. And I believe that we see that in Corinthians when he tells us when, when I would do good, I do evil. And when I do evil, good, you know, and all this kind of struggle between the flesh and spirit. So that's one. A temptation. They also say, say because of other people writing his letters that he had a, a chronic eye problem. Where he could not write the way that he wanted to and read the way he wanted to. Some have even went as far as migraines. Some have said it was epilepsy, seizures. Another one came up with a speech disability. Some even say that the thorn refers to a person. Uh-oh, some of you say, I've been walking around with a thorn for years. There was a guy by the name of Alexander the coppersmith. And Paul writes in his writings, he said, he did a great deal of harm to me. So he shows us in the scriptures that Alexander the coppersmith at some point was aggravating him while he was trying to preach the gospel. Perhaps Alexander is the thorn in the flesh. No one can say for sure what Paul's thorn in the flesh was but it was a source of real pain in his life. But look at 2 Corinthians 12, 6. He said, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so. I'd be telling the truth. But, but I won't do it. Because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud... I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord. Do you see that? I begged the Lord. I do, Please, God, do this for me. Three times I said, take it away. Each time, what did God say? Woo. Now in the King James Version, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. In this version, I'm reason. He said it this way. My grace is all you need. I need to tell somebody today that I don't care what you're going through. His grace is all that you need today. It will pull you through your situation. My grace is all you need. My power, God said, works best in weakness. Do you know why God's power works best in weakness? Because when I'm standing around trying to flex my muscles doing God's job, all I do is get in God's way. <laughs> when I get weak, and I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. Then God's heart, buddy. You understand it's not your power. It's my enabling grace. I'll step in and I'll take care of you now. My, my God, my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardship, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Watch. For when I am weak, 
Then am I strong. See, he says when I'm down and out and I'm in this weak state. But when I allow God to come and his weakness becomes my strength. He says now when I feel weak. When he comes all of a sudden I feel strong. How did Paul do it? My grace is sufficient for you. Paul, I'm going to enable you. That even though you get bit by a viper. You're going to shake it off in the fire and say get away from me devil. And it will not kill you. You're going to suffer shipwreck multiple times. But not one vessel so in this vessel will be lost. Because the Lord and the angel stood by me that night and said, Paul, I am with you. Somebody ought to shout amen. Paul says the enabling grace of God kept me. And the enabling grace of God is going to keep you. So, so the exact nature of Paul's thorn in the flesh is uncertain. Probably good reason that we don't know. God likely wanted Paul's difficulty to be described in what I would call general enough terms. That we could take it and we can apply any difficulty that we face now with Paul's dilemma. Whether the thorn we struggle with today is physical, emotional, or spiritual. We can know this. That God has a purpose for what we're going through. A plan for what we're going through. And His grace is all sufficient. His grace is all we need. Praise the Lord for God's enabling grace to make it through. Because without it, I'm telling you, I would not be standing in this pulpit right here today. It is only by the grace of God that I am what I am. My God have mercy. Alright, Shavi, let's go back to text. Let's go to Zechariah 4, 6, and I'm going to bring this thing to a halt. Give me five minutes and I'm closing. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Don't you love it when the Lord gives you a word? Don't you love it when the Lord gives you a word? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. When you come to the ends of your means and resources... That's when the Spirit, you have to allow the Spirit to take over. So let's go to verse 7. We'll just leave it up the rest of, until I get finished here. Because I'm going to talk about these points. Are you ready? Who are you, O great mount before Zerubbabel? It shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth a capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Now I'm going to show you a few things, some key points really quick. Number one, you've got to identify the names of your mountains. Mountains are obstacles. Mountains are in our way. If you are walking in the middle of a desert and... <laughs> Here you are walking. I was watching Bear Grylls the other day and he had to climb up a, in the middle of the Sahara Desert, one of those dunes or whatever, like a mountain. He said it took him 45 minutes to get from the bottom to the top and it literally took him like 15 seconds to get down because he said, I got one or two choices. I can crawl down slowly or I can just take off as fast as I can. So he just runs and rolls down the hill, right? 45 minutes to get to the top of that. A mountain is an obstacle. That means it is something that when you're walking in the middle of the desert and you see it, you have an option. Either you're going to walk around it and die in the heat, or either you just go up it and go over that obstacle. So this is what he says we are facing spiritually. He says you have to identify the mountain. Proclamations of grace will help you overcome the mountains in your life. Don't talk to God about how big your mountain is. You need to talk to the mountain and and tell your mountain how big your God is. See, the mountain is not an issue to your God. It may be an issue to you. But to Him, with His enabling grace and powerful grace, it is nothing. That's no mountain for a true climber. Point number two. You've got to talk 
to your mountain. Somebody said, Pastor, that's going to make me feel weird. Well, you're going to have to learn to talk to the mountain or the mountain's going to stay in your way. When you speak truth to your mountain, God will reduce it to a plain, a smooth place. God is about to smooth some things out for you and your circumstance if you'll just learn to speak to the mountain. Number three, you have mountain-moving grace. You've got to believe it because it is your inheritance as a child of God. You know, you watch sci-fi shows and these people get a hold of the different abilities that they can do. They can just look at you and make pain come to you and all this crazy stuff. And a lot of times it's because of the family that they were born into. In other words, they just inherited the traits. What I want to tell somebody, if you're a child of God, you've inherited the trait. You are a mountain mover. Y'all ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. You are a, it is in your DNA. If you're a child of God, you speak the mountains and mountains move. Jesus said to his disciples, if you just speak to this mountain and say remove and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. There's some of you in here, the reason you're still facing the same mountain is because you've refused to speak to it. You're not allowing that God-given DNA to rise up in you and say, mountain, you've got to get out of my way. You're not going to slow me down. You're not going to stop me. You're not going to hinder me. The grace of God's brought me to you and the grace of God's going to carry me through you. Somebody ought to say amen. All right. So we speak to the mountain before the mountain can be removed. So you need to name your mountain. Drug addiction, move out of my way. Pornography, move out of my way. You gossip, get out of my way. Cheating other people, get out of my way. Selfishness, get out of my way. You've got an, I don't know, and I could name a hundred things. You know what your mountain is. You need to call it by name. And today, by the grace of God, I want God and I'm going to watch you shout hallelujah while God makes your mountain a plain. Is somebody hearing what I'm telling you? You've got to call it out. And you've got to say like Zerubbabel. This is what Zerubbabel said. Look at it. He said, who are you, oh great mountain before Zerubbabel? Oh, I love it. I'll finish this point off in just a moment. But number four, when a mountain appears in your life, God is up to something great. You're not alone. He will overcome your problems and replace them with His promises if you hold on. Number five, it's time to begin again. It is time. When God gives you a word, He gives you enabling grace, my God, to begin to dream again, to hope again, to fight again, begin to believe again. Number six, you've got to start shouting grace, grace over your circumstances. I love this. God will show up and when God shows up, God will show out. Don't talk fear. Don't talk depression. Stop talking about defeat. Stop talking about losing all the time. Quit talking about financial crisis all the time. Quit talking like a victim, like everybody's against you all the time. you got to start declaring grace. Grace over your situation. Grace over your circumstance in life. You declare grace over every mountain in your life. And I want to say that don't just speak it once. Shout it twice. I'm going to let y'all get that and I'm going to drink. Is that okay? Don't just speak it once. Shout it twice. And then every time you see that mountain, 
You shout it until that mountain is removed from your life. Sandra, start playing softly for me there. Listen. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We must go to the throne of grace. Grace is mentioned 125 times in the Bible. 16 out of 28 of the New Testament books begin with grace. Grace. You read the first couple of verses. Sometimes the first verse. Sometimes it's the third verse. But they say grace to you. Why? Because it is the foundational truth of our salvation. It is the foundational truth of every area of our life. Grace, grace, grace. I need more grace. And the Bible said that God will give you more Grace. The God of the Old Testament was often viewed as a God of judgment. Oh, but the God of the New Testament, because of Jesus, it is now, He's called a God of grace. We are living in what is known as the best time because we are now living not according to the law and death, but we are living in the dispensation of, you got it, grace. There is great power in the grace of God. So shout, grace, grace. Over the circumstance in your life. Don't just say it. Shout it. Don't just shout it. Shout it twice. There are circumstances in your life. When you're going to find the end of yourself and your abilities. There are God's graces. The bridge between where you are and where you need to go. What you have and what you need. Who are you old great mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall. Y'all see that? That's key words. Highlighted. You shall become a plane. Now, a plane, I looked this up yesterday. A plane is simply flat land with very few trees. Most planes have fertile soil. And farmers take advantage of the flatlands and the plains because it is said that they produce some of the greatest plants and the greatest gardens because it's a, it's a fertile place. That's what God's saying I'm trying to take you to. When I, when I level it down, you're going to be in a place that you can grow. You're going to be in a place that you can thrive. You're going to grow in your relationship with me like you never had before. You thought this mountain was going to bring you down. You thought your obstacle and addiction was going to break you down. But it is not going to bring you down. You're going to speak to it. It's going to become like a plane. And then you are going to start thriving in God. Like you've never thrived before. As long as the mountain's there, you can't get this, this plane. So I love that part of the verse, but I think I like the next part the best. And he, who is he? That's you. That's me. It is speaking of the person that spoke to the mountain that is standing in their way. He shall. That's you. That's you, Dylan. That's you, Javen. He shall bring forth the capstone. The capstone refers to the apex. Some of you are like, what in the world does apex mean? Apex is the top or the highest part of a peak. You got it? So when you look at the mountain, the apex is that, that V that you see at the top. You could take that cap off. That's called a capstone. It's the very top, the height of the mountain. He says, you will bring that capstone home. And you will declare to the world... Grace, grace, that addiction, that problem, that circumstance, you come back with the capstone because God is going to bring down the mountain 
And then you come home with the top of it saying, look at what the Lord has done. It was a lot bigger back then, but look at it now. I got it in my hand. Victory is mine. See, I, let me help you. Just think of it like little David. We all know that story. We got kids in here. Little David, we little boy, all right? We little thing. And then Goliath, this big old giant comes out. The great Goliath was so tall that from the ground, little David could never, some say that Goliath was as tall as 10 feet. Most say it was somewhere but close to nine is what I think the majority would agree with. But around nine foot, with little David, if he had a sword, he could not reach the head of Goliath. Am I right? I mean, he just little David, little David, little wee little fella. He just tends the sheep. He's a little ruddy boy. He can't reach the head. So what happens? He's so tall, he can't reach the apex. He can't reach the capstone. He can't reach the head until the giant fell. Oh, my God. I'm, oh, this will preach, son. I just need some people that will hear me. So when God brings this big mountain of a man, he becomes like a plane. He is laying flat on his face. So what did Goliath do? Oh boy, I couldn't reach you when you were up there. But I shouted, grace, grace. Are y'all ready for this? Oh my God. So, so how many stones do I get? What is five? It is the number of grace. So when David goes, he's already declaring before he gets there, I don't care how big this guy is, the grace of God is the one that's brought me here. He's protecting me from lions and bears, King Saul. And by the grace of God, I'm going to take this giant down too. So once God makes the mountain Goliath a plain, he says, now I'm going to get his sword and I'm going to cut off his head. Somebody said, this is too graphic for the kids. Well, you might want to close their ears for this part. Well, all the kids just jumped up. Now, what in the world, Pastor, about to say? He reaches down, Brian. And he grabs the head of that giant. He walks to the Israelites and says, look. This was the mountain that was standing in the way. This is the peak. This is the apex. This is your addiction at its highest point. This is your financial crunch when you didn't have the money to pay the bills. But look at it now. He is in my hand. And the Bible said that Israel started shouting the shout of victory. And they chased the Philistines, ran them down, killed them all. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. God's going to do the same thing for you, child of God. If you'll just believe that God can bring down the mountain that you speak to. God, open your mouth. Let's stand and shout grace, grace over your mountain today. Let's try it. You ready? Grace, grace over your addiction. Grace, grace over your finances. Grace, grace over your troubles. Grace. God is looking for some grace shouters. But Pastor Jimmy, I did it one time and nothing happened. That's why he said, just shout it again. Shout it again. God. Brian's about to sing this. We're, we're going to Listen, it ain't even 12 o'clock yet. We're going to take a moment. We don't have regular altar service, but we're about to have one right here in your pews. He's fixing to sing this song right here. Psalm 23 is all it is. That's what it is. It's Psalm 23 that he's singing to y'all today. And while he sings this, I want you, I don't know what your mountain is. 
But I want you to raise your hand. I want you to declare while he's singing this. I want you to declare over your mountain. Whatever it is. Name it. If you don't want your neighbor knowing. That's fine. Whisper it under your breath. But let God hear you call out the name of that mountain. And I'm telling you by the grace of Almighty God. God's going to bring that mountain down. Do you hear me? He will bring your mountain down to a place. Who are you? Oh great mountain. You put the words to the song up Chevy. They may need them this morning. Sing this with them. I want y'all right now. Let God do a work in your life. Just lift your hands. Just give God a moment. It's just like an altar service here. Just like the an Lord altar service. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Yes, He is. Thank you, Lord. And He goes before me. Defender behind me. No, I won't fear. I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. My cup's overflowing. My cup's overflowing. No weapon can harm me. No weapon can harm me. So I have no need to fear, my God. I won't fear. Go ahead, speak to God. Speak that mountain. Speak to it. Speak to it. Hallelujah, I am not alone. He's my comfort, and He's my comfort, always holds me close, and He always guides me. Through mountains, through mountains and valleys, your joy is refreshing. His joy is refreshing. Oh, you restore my soul. Restores my soul. Watch this. Mercy and goodness. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I will walk in your 
your spirit lives within. You're my victory. My victory. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. Oh, my victory. My victory. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory. My victory. Your spirit lives within me. Love you. We're praying for you. Victory's yours. Oh. 